Previously on the Talking Buds podcast. Listen, they're never going to be like big bangers in the defensive zone. They're just not built that way. April comes around, you play a bigger team, you get pushed around, and all of a sudden you're golfing. They're really soft in their own zone. Like to quote Babs when you get into the postseason and the other teams are playing hard. Good player, good bro. We know Mitchie loves hockey. Unbelievable. Watch you stroll into Carolina in front of three fans. Weird, epic, dumb. <laughs> Yikes. The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is... The Talking Buds Podcast. Welcome to episode 11 of the Talking Buds podcast. We're a day late. Apologies for that. Tis the season, Ryan. Lots of holiday parties and such this time of year, but we're here now, and this is probably the most fired up for a podcast I've been since we started doing this thing. Well, enlighten us, my friend. What's going on? Lots of just different work, Christmas parties and such, and holiday gatherings with friends and family. And oh yeah, it's that, it's that time of year. We everyone, everyone gets it. Everyone's gone through it. So this show will be a bit different because usually we talk after a game, and right now we're not doing that. It's Wednesday night. Right now, when we're recording this podcast, the Leafs defeated the Carolina Hurricanes last night, four to one. What we can gloss over the three games that have happened since our last show. They went 1-1-1, one, one, and one, getting a three out of a total six points. Not awful, but also not really what you want. Anyone who's listening to us knows what happened in those games. So we don't need to go through them and recap them and who scored and who played well, etc., etc. I have got things on my mind that I want to discuss. Ryan, it started... With the Cronwall hit from behind on Matthews last Thursday night against the Red Wings, it carried on to Saturday night in Boston where they quite frankly got pushed around for three whole periods. The topic du jour for the last week now has been team toughness, and I really want to talk about this with you because I have so many thoughts going through my mind on this particular topic. Yeah, dude, this is the this is the topic, man. You you turn on any sports radio station in this city, and now we're so far into this conversation that we're coming up with trades for guys who are gonna help our team toughness after that one game. That one game affected our psyche so bad that we're coming up with trade scenarios on how to make our team tougher. I think but you know what, Ryan? That game was that bad though. Like yeah, it was so frustrating to watch. I, I I can't disagree with that either. I was legitimately upset watching the game Saturday night against Boston. It, it's such 
a frustrating feeling to watch your team just get bullied like that for three periods and have virtually no response. And that's no disrespect to Kadri, Hyman, and Hainsey who tried to push back, but they pretty much had no response. And I said this a few episodes ago after another Bruins game, the Boston Bruins look like they are having the most fun when they play the Leafs. There is zero intimidation at all. Like they they are not afraid of playing the Leafs at all. And it's really really frustrating to watch. Yeah, no, dude. It was just I I think the fact that it was against Boston in that arena just magnifies everything and that's what gets her blood boiling so much is because we've seen it there in the past and it just kind of flusters everyone. But I don't think this reaction would be so heavy if it wasn't against this particular hockey team, but this Bruins team, a team that beat them last year, and a lot of those guys are still on that team from however many years ago, even though the Leafs are completely different now, but they know how to get in the Toronto Maple Leafs' head, and they know how to play them tough. And we saw when they started playing them tough, they started getting the Leafs started getting dominated. And yeah, it was I was pissed because me watching, I just want to get out there and punch someone in the head. Like instead of just standing around and being scared to get hit, like you just want to get out there and, and, and fight for your guys. And it's just, they got dummied and they were just soft. So everyone's just like, okay, well the record's all nice, but now we're not going to win because this is a little uh, foreshadowing to what's going to happen in April. Like most issues that go on with the Maple Leafs, there's two schools of thought. There's the old school way of thinking where they need to go out and get someone. They need to go out and get a tough guy. They need uh, to get somebody who can respond to the the play of the Bruins or like some of these heavier teams like Columbus and Washington. And then there's the new school of thought, the Kyle Dubas school of thought, the we can beat them with skill. I want to know, before I go off on my rant, where do you stand on that? Like, what do you think the correct response is? Because I've heard... For since Saturday now, both sides argued on that. Well, I, I want to believe that, yes, all this skill is going to take us to the promised land, but we saw the team that won the Stanley Cup last year. They had a big guy on their team named Tom Wilson who ran some guy over in game one of the Stanley Cup final, and that changed the entire complexion of that series. And We've gotten beaten by the Bruins last year because they they played their big, bad Bruins style. And the year before that, they lost to that Washington Capital team I just mentioned. And Kyle Dubas has a history of, well, he doesn't have a history, but it's clear that he is geared towards what's on the sheet of paper analytically and how that's going to bring him victories in this league. But all of us as hockey fans can sit and watch the team and can realize that they are just ridiculously soft and have a lot of players who are cut out of the same cloth. It's incredibly frustrating when someone like Nazem Kadri looks down the bench and sees who else is sitting there and feels like he has to go out there himself and drop the gloves, which is exactly what he did, because that is not something that Nazem Kadri should be shouldering. And it's frustrating because I don't think... You're not going to go out and get a tough guy. You're not going to go out and get a Tom Wilson or Ryan Reeves, and they're they're discussing now Wayne Simmons. We'll get into trade rumors in a few minutes, but 
going out and getting a tough guy to me is not feasible because you're going to have to give something up for that. And quite frankly, I don't think any of those guys are good enough that I want to part with some of my prospects. So I'm not on the side of they got to go out and get a tough guy. I can't be on that side of it because they can't. Like, they, how are they going to go out and get a tough guy? There's not a lot of Tom Wilsons in the NHL. A guy who's big, fast, can score, and can do pretty much anything on the ice and be a tough guy. And Ryan Reeves isn't a super-duper hockey player either, but exactly. there's not many Ryan Reeves roaming around either. And, like, yeah, there's there's the Milan Luciches. Well, he makes $6 million a year. And, yeah, there's the Jamie Benz, but he's highest-paid player on their team with Tyler Sagan. So it's not like... There's these guys you can just find around the NHL who are going to come in and be your guy you throw out there when you know you need to drop the gloves. Those guys, frankly, don't really... Not too many of those guys exist anymore, and it there's not many guys who can do that and can still contribute to your hockey team when they're not fighting. That's 100% where I'm at, which brings me to what frustrates me. It just seems like this team... like. You watch them on Saturday night, with the exception of Kadri, Hyman, and Hainsey, they look afraid. They all look afraid. They look like Boston is in their head. There's no, like, like why can't you guys look at each other and say, we're going to give some of these guys a shove back. Like, I know that's not necessarily your game, but sometimes you get in those situations where... You have to respond like that. And that doesn't mean, and everyone thinks that means that I want Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner or John Tavares or Morgan Riley or Willie to drop the gloves. No, they're not going to drop the gloves. But if some guy gives you a shot, give him a shot back. And they don't. You just need to suck it up. Yes. Like, don't, like. Like, you just need to suck it up. Like, you're going to take a punch to the face. You play professional hockey, a league with contact and a very close quarters. Like, yeah, I know you're a skilled player and it's not your game and you don't need to be Scott Stevens or Bob Probert, but but like when you're in the corner and there's a little scrum, you, can you not grab a guy or give a guy a little cross check or hit a guy in the head? Like not hit a guy in the head, but like give him a little shot. Like just let him know you're there. Be unco- Like know that the other team should know who's on the ice and who is going to make their lives miserable for them while they're on the ice. And the Leafs don't really have any of those guys. Like, Leo Komarov wasn't really a tough guy, but he was a guy out there who was a kind of a wild card and you always had your head up or your, uh, you wouldn't really turn your back to a guy like that either. Like, they just don't have any... I don't think they have one guy on their team who is even remotely close to that. But again, and that's fine, but... You as hockey players and as grown-ass men have to realize the type of game and the type of scenario you're in. Case in point, Thursday night, Cronwall runs Matthews from behind into the boards. They're they're just staring at him. They're just staring at him. Nobody does anything. That's your best player who just came back from an injury. And you you just let that happen? What do you think the Wings bench is thinking after that? Oh, we can do whatever we want. We can push these guys around. It's just like, come on. Come on. And it got so bad on Saturday night that Nazem Kadri felt like he had to be the one to go out there and drop the gloves. And it's like, you know what? I take my hat off to him because there's a guy who's understanding. And you can say, oh, he's a veteran. He's been in the leagues, whatever. These guys have played hockey their whole life. 
like you're telling me at some point when you play junior or even when you played like Bantam or Peewee, you weren't in a game that was that didn't get a little rough at times. Like, come on, have a response. And listen, I I've said it a zillion times. I love Austin Matthews so much, but what he said after the game, and Babs has said this too, what what Austin Matthews said after the game on Saturday night was I, I was I was at a loss for words. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole power play, we'll get you back with the power play comment. Yeah. The our power play is our response. It's like Which is a joke because if you wow. look at the league statistics, they get the least amount of power plays in the NHL. Teams have figured out you're not scoring at the rate you did at the start of the season. Teams know how to defend them on their power play now. So that's all well and good, the power play. But like, yeah, I'm sorry, you can't. I know you're a skilled hockey player and you're not, you may not be a tough kid or be rough or whatever, but like that, to me, that's not a prerequisite to, sh- to shove a guy. Like, just push a guy. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I get what he's trying to say. Like, he's trying to say, like, we'll kill you on the score sheet. Like, whatever. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is that you win the game and get the two points. But the optics of that comment are so bad. It's like, okay, well, we'll just get pushed around. But we'll, and it's just like, no, no, have a response. And it's just like, can't somebody stand up in that room and be like, we're grown men. Yeah. We're not going to let these other grown men push us around. We can't sit here and know for a fact that this game that just went by against the Bruins is the the ultimate fortune teller game of what's going to happen in April. Like they could easily beat the they were up 4-3 going into the third period of that game 7 last year. So they could have beat Boston in that series and I believe they could still beat Boston. But it's just the past history of what has happened that gets everyone so fired up and it's frustrating too because when games get like that as a fan you're sitting on the couch and you're like getting emotional with the game you just want one of your guys to to nail one of the other guys but instead Wagner who the hell is Wagner never heard of the guy in my life decides 30 seconds later after his guy got hit that he's going right after Morgan Riley. Like this wasn't five minutes later. It was the next shift. This guy went head hunting for Riley right away for a response. Yeah. Yeah. Sending a message. Don't come after our guys. And guess what the Leafs do? Nothing. They do nothing. Austin Matthews gets cheap shot from Cronwall. Nobody does anything. This is stupid, but like, I hate, the thing that sucks about talking about this though is it always gets dragged back to, well, this is the new NHL, all about speed and skill and fighting's no longer in the game. But it's like, you watch a game like that on Saturday and it's like, I'm sorry, you still need a guy who's going to scare a couple other dudes. Like, Zidane Chara wasn't even on the ice and he's the scariest dude of all. And they were still completely outsized. But again, Ryan... I don't even think it's about needing a guy. It's understanding that you, yes, you know what? It is actually accurate. The new NHL is about speed and skill. Fighting has been all but phased out of the game. The goons, the Colt Norse have all been phased out of the game, right? Like guys like Wilson and Reeves, like they can skate. That's why they're still in the league. The problem that I have is do something, Stand up for yourselves. Don't just skate away back to the bench all afraid. And because th- that's how it comes off. It comes off like you're scared. It's so 
frustrating to watch. And you're going to get pushed around. You go into that building, you get pushed around. If you play that team in the playoffs, you're going to get pushed around. Like, man, I like do something. There's nobody coming, all right? So if you just want to go into Boston for the rest of the season and just get pushed around and lose 5-1, that's what's going to happen if you all don't look around the room and say, we got to respond because this team thinks they own us. Yeah, these guys... infuriating. Yeah, these guys do the same thing every morning that we do. We all get up, go to the bathroom. Like, there's no difference between us and them. We're both grown men. Like, we all get up and shave our beards in the morning. Why do we get on the ice and act like... If I go after this guy, then I'm going to get completely murdered. I think Austin, oh, Austin Matthews, I know. Like Wayne, does Mitch Marner, does Mitch Marner shave his beard? No, Mitch Marner. I, there's a lot of Maple Leafs who sh- don't shave their beard. So maybe that was a bad <laughs> thing. I don't know. You know what I was trying to say. Yes, yes, yes. But, but it's just, it's like, to me, like, I, I'm not the tough, like, if you know me personally, like, you're not scared of me. Like, I'm not, I don't intimidate anyone. Like, I... I'm not the toughest guy in the world, but if I was on that ice and saw Morgan Riley get almost annihilated, I would have my gloves off immediately going after some guy. Like, I don't care. Like, take I'll take a punch in the face. Like, that that's what you need to do to send a message. It's the National Hockey League. And, and we're going to get people, Ryan, who are listening to us rant about this and are going to say, well, what's Marner going to do? Like, look at him and all that stuff. And it's like, again, we're not saying you have to fight. We're not saying you need to be a goon. All we're saying is have, have a response. Like just so many layers to this conversation though, because someone will be like, Oh, well, Wayne Gretzky didn't fight. He had a Samanko or, or whatever tough guy protected a skill guy, but it's like, okay, your skill guys, they don't get involved. They stay away. You want them to be healthy, but the guys who aren't this, like the top core guys on the Maple Leafs, the, Casperi Kapanen's, the Andreas Janssen's, the Tyler Ennis's, like they're not getting in they're, They can't get involved either because they're just as small and just as afraid. And they're all skilled players too. So it's like, yeah, you don't want Austin Matthews to get involved and get injured. But at the same time, it's like Casperi Kapanen's not going in there to take someone's head off because he's a skilled hockey player too. So you're talking personnel, which brings me to Kyle Dubas. So I, I think we're both in agreement that Dubas's way of being a GM and building a team is very... And you know what? I actually... This is not a shot. I like this about Kyle Dubas. I love the fact that the Leafs went out and got a new young guy, didn't go with the same recycled old boys club and bring in some GM who's been around forever. And like, I love the fact that they promoted him and made him the general manager because I just love the new school mentality he brings to the game. But... I think we're learning that there may be some, like you can't just always go off your analytics. Like you've got to use the eye test every now and then. And you got to look down and say, we are getting pushed around and we have no response. So, and you want, yeah, but you want a guy who can come into your lineup and, and be that uncomfortable player for other guys to play against. But it's like, there's that mean that means you got to go get a guy and the price of skilled hockey players who are tough it's it's not a price that you might be willing to pay at the end of the day like this is the way they're built we might just have to 
swallow our pride and watch this team get bullied around the odd game and hopefully that their little power play retaliation or their scoreboard retaliation actually is a thing and works and leads them to multiple victories in the playoffs. Like that's that's what you have to hope at this point because they're not going out and getting some guy we all want to get. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. We just have to accept the way it is and move on. So you talking about that is providing a really good transition into some of these trade rumors that have been swirling since that Boston embarrassment. Um, but before we get to that, I just want to say the consensus on the whole team toughness thing when it comes to us is just, we'd like to see them have more of a response. We'd like to see them play with a little more edge and not look like they're shying away from any sort of physical altercation at all. And again, exclude Kadri, Hyman, and Hainsey in that. Those are three guys who on paper aren't tough guys, but just felt like they had to do something. So my hat tip to them. But would you agree the consensus is we would just like to see a more like just overall more pushback from the team as a whole. Yeah. And they're going to have to decide that as a team, as men in the locker room to look around and be like, you know what? For tonight, we're all just going to have each other's backs. Yeah. We might get pushed to the ice. We might take a shot to the face. We might get licked by Marshawn, but we're, we're going to do it anyways, because we'll do anything to win a cup and do anything to win games in the NHL playoffs. Like let's, that that's what they're gonna have to do because they're not there's no one coming to, to help them out. Like it's it's just not happening. So you alluded to it again. So let's get into it. Three names that have been swirling around for the last few days with respect to the Leafs and making a deal. I don't even want to talk about Duncan Keith. That's ridiculous. He's 35 years old. He can't play anymore. The only reason why he's still playing is because the Blackhawks signed him with that ridiculous massive deal. The Leafs aren't getting him. So cross Duncan Keith off the list. Well, yeah, that's just, I heard that on, that's just one name that people brought up because the Blackhawks stink and they're going to have to start unloading guys who are not nobodies and guys who've actually led to all their, all the guys who are leaders in their cup runs. Like they might have to start trying to shed guys like that. And Duncan Keith, even though he signed a ridiculously long contract, like 10 years or whatever it was, it's at a, it's at a good cap hit. So that's why I think that's why his name was brought up. But yeah, that, that's not happening. So the two other names are really interesting because they address the two problems with this team. I think we can all agree, Ryan, the Leafs are one of the better teams in the league. But getting all the way to a Stanley Cup this year is going to be difficult because of what we just talked about, team toughness. And as Babs has said over and over, the style of play, they play a heavy style they play a grinding heavy style in the postseason. So Wayne Simmons is one of the names. And the other one is Alex Petrangelo. Because I think we can all agree that the Leafs blue line, and this is nothing new. Anyone who's listening to this show knows this. The Leafs blue line is not good enough. So let's start with, because we just talked about the whole toughness thing. Let's start with Wayne Simmons. Because that's totally where that name is coming from. I... You hear some of the the packages that would be going back to Philly in return for Wayne Simmons, and it just does nothing for me. I'm not gonna lie; like he's he's on a his contract is up at the end of the year. He's so so you're giving away assets for a guy who might not re up with you, who probably won't re up with you at the end of the year, given the Leafs' current cap situation. So 
I, today I heard on um, Hockey Central, David Amber was just spitballing. So this is not anything that he said that was in the works or anything. He was just spitballing. He was like, would you give up um, a Janssen, a prospect, and a pick for Wayne Simmons? And the answer to that is no for me. Yeah, it's just... It's it just this is just a guy like it's just people who are sitting down being like, hey, who's a skilled hockey player who scores goals and is tough? And that's just like the first name that people thought of right away. So, of course, they're going to bring that up. But you're right. It's just if they were going to make a deal for Wayne Simmons, it would have to be like, hey, we're going to take this guy's money for this year. But Philly's going to have to take some money that we're going to have to get rid of because we're probably not going to be able to, it's basically just a nothing deal. You'd be just getting him, just hoping that he'd be a difference maker, but then you'd be looking at giving up a Kapanen or a Janssen, a first round pick. And just, it's at the end of the day, it's just, yeah, we're upset about the team toughness, but it's just, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think, I know a lot of dudes are probably like, I'd do it. Why not? We need, we need a guy like this. But it's just, it's not that simple. It's just not something that you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, team toughness, let's make a trade. Wayne Simmons, let's go. Like, it's just Kyle Dubas isn't going to do that. I'm not going to lie. If you could get him at like a decent price and he would stay beyond the rest of the season, I would be way more open to it. But I, it's just not going to happen because if you look at this guy's cap hit right now, it's relatively low for the production. He's given the Philadelphia Flyers. The guy's a great goal scorer. He's good on the power play. He's been playing really well on that top line with Giroux or whatever. They rotate him in that lineup. So he's probably going to be looking to cash in a little bit on his next contract. He's, I think he's like 30 now. So it's it's just not going to work out. It's It'd be just a one-year, let's hope if we get this guy, he'll be the difference maker for us come April. So that brings us to Alex Petrangelo. 28 years old, $6.5 million cap hit, playing for the Blues who on a one-way train to nowhere, under contract through next season. I was poking around online today and saw a scenario where it was Kapanen, Lilligren, and a first-round pick to the Blues for Petrangelo. I don't think that's going to happen again just because of the money coming out and going in. But... I am more intrigued with this one because he is still an elite defenseman. Yeah, and you you recognize him from the the Team Canada's and just the kind of the past generation of young and up and coming guys. And I'm not gonna pretend I sit and watch every single St. Louis Blues game, especially this year. So I don't know where this guy's game at right now. Is he still an elite defenseman? Uh, you would think so, or a number one type of guy. It's just I it's. This is a team that has so many contracts coming up that I feel like if they're going to go out and get a guy, they want a guy who's going to be at least locked in for three years or some some longer-term contract. They're not, they, they have enough negotiations coming up to get rid of one guy and then have to deal with another huge contract. So all these guys were men- mentioning, they're all on crap teams who are probably looking to unload, but... You're basically going to be giving up one of you, a couple of your prospects and a first-round pick for a guy who's going to be here this season or next season, and that's going to be it. 
And you're kind of looking at it like, okay, well, we probably won't be able to sign Casperi Kapanen anyways. So we don't really have a problem putting him in this trade. But it's a guy like if, you're, if your de defense sucks and you know it sucks, then you can't really be going around trading the guys who are at the top of your system on the back end. Like, it just doesn't really make sense. And Petrangelo for two years, yeah, we're in a win-now mode, but it, we it's so hard to sit and play GM because things are so easy on paper. Yeah, this would work, but it's just so... Trades don't happen in this league very often, especially during the season, not at the deadline. I don't see them make... They might make a little deal at the deadline like they've done for the last couple of years where they bring in Boland or Placanitz, guys with, like, who who are making guys who are on the lower end of the salary cap. But I just don't see them making a deal to bring in a guy with a $6.5 million cap hit until they've got Matthews and Marner figured out. Like, I just don't see that happening. No, the so, guy and the guy who's occupying that 6.5 right now is Patrick Marlowe. Yeah. Like, he's the guy, he's that $6 million. You have two guys in the six range right now. You got William Nylander and Patrick Marlowe. Patrick Marlowe has just next year... And to me, the, you're going to have to be a little patient with some of the contracts here because you got to like this season's important. Yeah, we want to win now, but you have so many issues coming up this offseason, like just just a headache of issues. And then you're going to want to wait. You're going to want to wait for some contracts to expire like Patrick Marlowe's or Jake Gardner's coming up at the end of this year. He probably won't be coming back. So you're looking at the guys who are currently on the team who aren't going to be on the team within the next one to two years, looking at the money they occupy on their cap right now and how you could use that free money towards Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner, or maybe if they have, maybe they could do both and sign another guy, but it's, it's just no trade is going to happen. Like I just, I'm not going to talk myself into it because it's so easy to just talk yourself into a trade that makes sense on that you would put in for NHL 19. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading the show. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talking Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and tune in. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate all the support. Thanks. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Coming up Thursday night, one of the most anticipated games of the season. The Leafs go to Tampa to take on the first place Tampa Bay Lightning. The first place and pulling away Tampa Bay Lightning, currently sitting at 24-7-1. Yeah, dude, they are just rolling teams in the National Hockey League right yeah. now. Without yeah, their number they one are, goal. They are, without a doubt, the best team in the league. I... I know we haven't seen them yet, but just based on the stats and we both watch the highlights and etc., I think it's fair to anoint the Tampa Bay Lightning the best team in the NHL right now. Yeah, they're 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 loaded with young talent. Like 
guys in their prime talent and guys who are kind of on the backside talent. Like they kind of cover all those bases. And to me, this is the year where they really got to like, like they got to win before, like the Leafs are kind of in win now, but this team is legit in like win now. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Who'd you rather play the Bruins or the lightning? And we said about the lightning that the Leafs might have a better chance because of the run and gun style. And you can kind of maybe outrun and gun them, but this might be the one team in the NHL that can score better than the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so far this season, they have because they're the top scoring team in the NHL. So let's talk about what the Leafs need to do to win. And and quite frankly, it's a pretty easy answer. Freddie Anderson's going to have to stand on his head. Yeah, like he does every single game. How do I feel about Leaf fans who are like getting on Anderson after Saturday? It's like, all right, that's all right. Yeah, the guy's a 930 save percentage. You're going to get on him for one game. This guy stands on his head every single night. His team's getting pushed around and they're getting abs and he's getting absolutely pelted with shots. Yeah, and they, but like sometimes they pull up that record where it's like he's actually better when he faces more shots than when he doesn't. So that, that kind of puzzles you a little bit, but eventually you would think it would catch up to him all the work, all the pucks. Like and you're right, like Freddie Anderson's going to have to make some unbelievable saves because this team is just as skilled as the Toronto Maple Leafs are. They have so much talent better back end, kind of the same forward skill. Uh, the goalie, their number one goalie's not in, but the guy who's backing them up is pretty damn good this year too. So you just hope that if they don't come out and just like, you know, within the first like 10 minutes, if they're, if they're like skating or not, you know, like if they come out and you're just like, oh, here we go. Sleepy boys all over the ice, sleepy, sleepy, then it, they might go down pretty quickly. But this, this league is a parody league, so maybe they'll go out and win 5-1. Who knows? But th- th- this, is the, this is the measuring stick. This is the next measuring stick game we need to see them play. And even if they win, like, they might go out and get a win and play horribly. They've done a couple of that this year. Freddie Anderson stood on his head a couple times. Like, there's so many things that could happen within this game. But this is, this is the team you need to be worried about headed into April. I think that this is an opportunity for them to get their confidence back after the Boston debacle on Saturday night. This is a team that's not going to play that bully style that Boston does, and they can go out there and skate with them. And if they can go out and play this team well, even if they lose, and but if it's a close game and they're with them the whole way, that'll be a big booster for the confidence and the self-esteem. So I think they should be looking at this game like that and just go out there and say, we can skate with this team. We can score with this team. Technically, we've got a better goalie than this team right now. So I think this is an opportunity for them to sort of make the most of an opportunity here and put that Boston game in their rearview mirror. Because at the end of the day, this is a better team than the Boston Bruins. And that's just a fact. So I'm looking for a big... If they come out flat tomorrow night, we got a problem. Like, we've got a big problem and I know they played well the other night against Carolina but Carolina is awful they should roll that team every single time they play them Carolina was garbage man they were horrible yeah so they I'm have hoping, nothing they have nothing on that team right so I'm hoping that they just understand the moment and use what happened Saturday night as fuel and go out there and say this is the number one team in the league and we're gonna make a statement that we're right there with them because they can play with this team it's a totally different scenario with Boston where it's a psychological thing. 
This is like this team. They've got no Marshans or Marshans or whoever the hell he wants us to say it. Little rat. I just this is a huge game for them, and this, I would like to see a response. Yeah, like, but it's it just it could go. They play this team four times. You know, like they play this team four times in the regular season. So I'm not gonna get so hung up. Well, who knows? They could go out and get killed, and we're just as pissed after that game as we were after Saturday. But to me. Tampa, like to me, Tampa is is better. They're a better hockey team than the Leafs are on paper, and they should be better than them on the ice. So it's just, oh, dude, it's I, I don't even. They just need to come out and just show a little bit of jam and skate and forecheck and it just Freddie Anderson needs to stand on his head. Like that's what they need to do to beat this hockey team. I agree with you that they're going to play them four times this year, but I'm just saying that I feel like this one is more significant given what happened on Saturday night and given that, yes, you played Carolina last night and that was good to get back in the win column, but this is sort of a bounce back against an even better team and you have a chance here to make a statement and make yourselves feel better, and that's why I think it's so important. Yeah, no. If they go out and get a W, no doubt it's it's a big win. It's like any win against someone in the, your division who's right up against you in the standings or ahead of you in the standings, like, yeah, that is a huge win. And I, do I think they need to win? No, I don't think they need to win. But I do agree with you. If they do get a win, then it should up their confidence, up their morale a little bit. And But we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be it's gonna be interesting. I'm looking forward to it because... Well, that was such a hockey line, wasn't it? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Caught myself there. What am I doing? A post game interview? <laughs> yeah, and we're uh, we're looking forward to it. Ryan, explain to us what you saw in that goal. Well, uh, you know, I got Dinger over there got the puck in deep, and uh, then I just saw the open man and uh, flew it to him. And uh, you know, you know, Riles Riles with a great dump in, and you know, Mitchie's got tons of great speed. And all I did was just go to the net and just ended up with my stick and. It was just, you know, we got a great team, and they got a great team. And and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Everybody's just a great team. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Let's move into bums and beauties. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. feel like this is going to be a fiery hot take edition of bums and beauties like a fairly obvious one given the rant that we both went on earlier in the episode so i'm gonna let you go first who is your beauty of the week my beauty of the week you outlined it a bit earlier is uh nazim kadri and it's not just for saturday night for him stepping up and being the guy who's trying to get everyone fired up and drop his gloves and and get the team going but this is he's been doing that pretty much his whole career with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So maybe not early on, but the past couple of years, he's the one guy who can get a mean face on and piss the other team off and get under their skin and do things that no one else on the team is willing to do in order to get the team fired up. And he's not the biggest dude either. He's supposed to be a skilled hockey player, but you know what? This guy's got a little fire in him. He's got a little edge. So when the game ramps up and you need to, bring out that side of you he's willing to do that so nazim 
I, I love you, dude. You're my beauty of the week. Just for everything you bring other than your skill, I, your cocky attitude. Yeah, people, yeah, he's a cocky guy. But that that's a part of it, though. Like, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to get out there and get embarrassed by some other guy physically. He gets nailed. He gets up, and he hits another guy just as hard as he got hit because he's not going to take that. That's why we all love him. I want to tack a two-pack onto yours. Hyman and Hainsey as well. The only three guys who responded and did anything on Saturday night. Way to grab the bull by the horns. You, that needs to cascade through the rest of the team. We talked about it earlier, so we won't get into it again. So I just made your beauty of the week a three-pack. My beauty of the week, and anyone who's listened to Talking Buds is about to fall over. My beauty of the week is Mike Babcock. I like the way that he's managed Willie Nylander since coming back, having him playing down with Naz last night in Carolina, just not blowing the doors off his minutes, recognizing that he is, he's going to, it's going to take him a little bit. We didn't talk about this. This is, this is the first time. What are we? Where, where are we? We're like 40 some odd minutes in. This is the first time we've said the words Willie Nylander. Yeah, which is like a record for this podcast, buddy. So I think, you know what, listen, I know this is a polarizing thing, and I know some people are mad because he's getting paid a lot of money, he showed up, and he hasn't really done a whole, like he got two assists last night, but he still, he he struggled a little bit. But you know what, like I really like, I think Babcock recognizes that. I think Babcock understands Nylander's importance to this team, especially going forward through the season. So I really like the way he's handled him. Where are you at with Nylander and his rehabilitation, so to speak? I, I, I flip-flop. Like, when I'm watching the game, I could care less that he hasn't played a game all season. Like, sometimes he makes the odd play where he's a, a little allergic to a dirty part of the ice. And it, he just looks like he drives me a little bit crazy when you watch him. But even before this year, like last year and the year before that, he always kind of drove me a little bit crazy. Very Phil Kessel-esque. Uh, not with the speed and shot, but with the bring it into the O zone and spin around at the top of the blue line because you don't want to go in deep and take a hit. And sometimes that leads to a turnover. So he drives me a little bit nuts. But when the game's over, I, I, I calm down. I got a level head and I'm like, okay, this guy has only gotten a couple practices in and he's only played a couple games. So you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like what, like, so I, I flip-flop a little bit. I, I feel like he has until the new year. Like, once the new year starts for me, that's when he's got to start kind of kicking it I up would, I notch. would agree with that statement. Like, yeah, like, I know that seems like kind of like, it's only a couple weeks away, so it's really not that far. But, like, to me, by 2019, if he's not back into his form that we all expect him to be in or uh, a player who should be playing for the amount of money that, his contract says, then, then we can start getting upset, but I'll admit mid game, he drives me nuts. But after I start to get a little bit, okay, let's cut this guy a break a little bit. All right. Now it's time to get into the bums of the week. I'm going to go first, but I'm going to, instead of just anointing who it is and just saying, this is my bum of the week. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Ryan, are you ready? What does Connor Brown do? Nothing. Like, what does he do? He do, well, he does nothing. No, he he's he, oh, dude, it, it's so weird watching him play. Like compared to where he was, like his first year, where he kind of burst on a little bit. Like he's just a whole lot of skate, 
a whole lot of effort, but just nothing ever comes out of it. Like, he's skating in the ozone with the puck, and he just skates right into the corner, right with the other defender, and the guy checks him, and he loses the puck. Like, he's, he's never, he's not, All I haven't year, seen him Ryan. make a play All in year. a very like, long time. He's done nothing. Yeah, like a lot of skating, a lot of PK, but in terms of actually making a, a good hockey play, a good skilled play, because a lot of people would argue that he's kind of in that skilled grinder conversation. And for a guy who scored 20 goals two years ago, I, I, I he hasn't even sniffed the net this year, man. He hasn't even sniffed it. And me calling Babs a beauty has lasted all of two minutes because the best thing Connor Brown has done is make sure his relationship with Mike Babcock is immaculate because Connor Brown should be on a one-way train up to the press box and he hasn't and he's not going up there because he's one of Mike Babcock's favorite players. Like Josh Levo was having a way better season than he was and he got shipped out of town. Yeah, but speaking be- of Josh Levo, now Levo's playing on the first line with Pedersen and Besser and is lighting the, the the scoreboard up now, and now everyone's like, "Oh, I believe, oh whatever." We're moving. Well, on you know what? That, he but... was he was playing significantly better than Connor Brown, and Connor Brown should be sitting up in the press box. He has not played well all season. No, Connor Brown is is perfect not. example he of just, a guy who should. Like, have... I've seen Tyler Ennis make more plays this year than than Connor Brown has. Perfect example of a guy who should have taken it upon himself to deliver a response the other night in Boston, and he just did what he always does skates up and down his wing into one corner up to the top of the blue line and the hash yeah, that's marks. exactly you're right that's exactly what he does he just, he just skates up and down his the, wing that's all he does gets the puck on a stick it turns into a grenade it's on the other team's stick like he <laughs> yeah, like, is terrible which sucks because like we were like super stoked about the guy when he was like doing well like we were pumped and i don't we're hate like, the connor guy brown beauty downtown good guy connor brown i don't hate the guy like, you're right, downtown Connor Brown. Like, I don't hate the guy, but it's like, something's got to give here. Like, Yeah, it's a whole lot of skating and a whole lot of not doing anything other yeah. than just skating hard. All right, your turn. Bum of the week. All right, my bum of the week. I've kind of, I feel like I'm steering away from calling Maple Leafs bums of the week lately, but there's a couple things that go on other than players that drive me crazy. And you mentioned Zach Hyman earlier, who got that two-game interference suspension. And my bum of the week is the NHL Office of Suspensions. I don't know what their official name is. I know George Peros is like, has a, I don't know if he's the head of it. He's kind of like the new, Shanny used to do that job, right? Like, yeah, like he's kind of that. He's filled in that role. But it's just, it's like Zach Hyman, was it a late hit? Yes, it was a late hit. Was it to the head and was it predatory? To me, that's very subjective. People have different opinions. To me, I don't think it was a late hit, but he didn't elbow the guy in the head. And the reason why they're my bums is because Ryan Reeves purposely went after Tom Wilson the other night. And Tom Wilson is not the sweetheart of the league. So people were probably kind of happy to see him get drilled finally. But that hit was 10 times more predatory than the Zach Hyman one. And after the game, Ryan Reeves was almost boasting about it. He ran into the lion in the jungle. Like, doesn't that tell you enough that he was going after him? So, and he doesn't get a fine or a suspension. And even earlier in the year, Mike Matheson, hard play into the boards with Elias Pedersen. 
hit him hard into the boards, and he and as soon as he hit him in the boards, he got got, got a hold of Pedersen and realized that he weighed 150 pounds and decided to slam him into the ice as hard as he can. Which really is that a predatory play? Maybe, but it's not an open ice headshot. It was a hard play in the boards, and he just outmuscled a smaller guy, and he gets suspended for that. And to me, it's just the inconsistency is ridiculous. You can debate all these hits, whether they can be suspendable or not, but just if you're going to suspend Zach Hyman for that hit, then be consistent with all the hits around the NHL. Like, this is stupid. Like, this league can't figure it out, man. It's like you're watching the game. Like, even penalties during the game, the refs are calling. It's, like, so inconsistent. I feel like it's, it's just like every, it's like pass interference in the NFL. Like, it's just, I give us some consistency, please. Well, you're definitely not the only one who scratches their head at the NHL and how they hand out suspensions. It doesn't make any sense at all. No, it's just like, and yeah, I, I know that's not, I, I, it dominates a lot of the conversation. Like, you, you turn on Hockey Central after someone gets suspended, and that's the thing they lead with. Everyone has their opinion on if it was suspendable or not, because it's one of the most subjective things in hockey. Everyone can have their own opinion on how they felt about the hit. If it's suspendable, is it predatory? Is it to the head? Is it is the guy smaller than the other guy? Did the guy protect himself? But it's just, I, I, I just, you set yourself up for failure when you don't suspend Ryan Reeves for a predatory hit and then clip Zach Hyman, who has no history other than just being a hardworking hockey player, who, yeah, probably made a mistake out of frustration and hit a guy late, but you're going to suspend him and not suspend the other guy. Like, come like just, ah, it's just, it's stupid inconsistency. It's, it's frustrating. All right. Before we move on to our tuts, since we're still technically in the bum conversation, I want to sort of bring something up that you brought up last week and it's respect with respect to what happened Saturday night in Boston. And some of the things that I saw people saying to one another on Twitter, the Leaf team toughness is a really polarizing topic and people have different outlooks on it. And just because somebody doesn't share the same opinion as you does not give you the right to call them every name under the sun. And I just want to reiterate yeah, this my that. bum last week, man. It, it's, yep. Yeah, it's it was that was out my of bum control. Last week. Dude, it's 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 ridiculous. The, yeah. The, yeah, the verbal it, it, abuse. People are getting legitimately upset. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. It's verbally abusing yeah. someone else yeah. over a hockey game. And I want to give props to everyone who follows us on our social media. I haven't seen any of that go on yet. But if any of that goes on on any in our accounts, you are done. We don't want you commenting on our stuff. Leaf fans are a community. We encourage debate. We encourage disagreement. Healthy, polite debate. But... Anybody calls anybody else a name, you're done. Dude, it's like any situ. I always, it's like any situation. If you're like a business owner and you're dealing with a customer and things are getting really heated and and you can tell the emotions are getting high and, and as soon as that one person crosses the line with calling someone else a name, it's over. Both arguments are disqualified and everything is ruined because you called that someone an idiot or an asshole or an effing idiot. And it's just like, we all like the same hockey team. Like we get upset. Like you listened to us early in the episode. Like you were fired up, man. Like you were, you were legit fired up over that team toughness thing. And you want to see guys step up, but I don't think you'd hop on Twitter and call a guy an effing idiot because he thinks that they should be 
following the analytical game and not get involved with that kind of stuff. No, because he's entitled to his opinion and I'm, or she is entitled to her opinion and I'm entitled to mine. So that's just how it goes. Anyways, we talked about that. I just want to make that clear. That's not cool. And it bums me out every time I see it. So we're going to move into Tuts, but let's do what we usually do, which we look ahead. We already talked about the lightning game tomorrow night. Saturday night, they remain in Florida with the Florida Panthers, a game we all think they should roll. Well, yeah, yeah, hopefully. we. The last week you said they should roll the, the Red Wings, and I was at that game in person, and until the end where they came back, it, it wasn't the case. They were kind of sleepy, sleepy boy, and Garrett Sparks couldn't make a save. And then, I promise we'll be honest, this coming Tuesday night, they play the New Jersey Devils. We'll be coming to you after that game with episode 12. Another game we expect a W from. The Devils aren't what they were last year. It's No, not even close, dude. They're kind of a mess. Yes. They're, they're actually kind of back in mess territory. Corey Schneider hasn't won a hockey game in his last, like, 20 starts or something. Like, that's he's like 0-15 in, like, three. It's like, how does that even happen? Well, that's good news for the Leafs. Yeah, well, of course. No, they'll start their backup, Kincaid, and he'll he'll be uh, Dom Hasek, uh, circa 99. All right, it is time for some T-U-T. Hit the music. It's time for Talking Buds. Totally unqualified takes. That's right, TUT stands for Totally Unqualified Takes. Who wants to go first, Ryan, me or you? Ah, oh, you go first this time. You always make me go first in the bums of beauty, so it's, it's all you, bro. All right, well, we talked a lot this episode about the Boston Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightning simply because they play them. They played Boston on Saturday and they played Tampa on Thursday. These are two teams. They're going to run up against either one of these teams, if not both, in the postseason. My totally unqualified take right here and right now is the Leafs have a better chance of beating the Tampa Bay Lightning in a seven-game playoff series than the Boston Bruins. I know people are going to hear that and go, what? But I just think the style of play lines up so much better with Tampa. Tampa is the better team, but I think the Leafs can just... The Leafs won't be in their own heads as much, and Tampa won't be in the Leafs' heads as much as the Boston Bruins are. I feel like if the Leafs play the Bruins in the playoffs, it's going to be a complete repeat of what we saw last year, especially in games one and two, where they just got dummied. Where are you yeah, at with that? Yeah, well, I, I honestly, I don't know if I'm with you on that. I, I've, I've, I've kind of flip-flopped. First of all, I haven't seen them play the Lightning. We're really going to get our first taste of it after we watch it, and I'll be able to get my point kind of in one clear direction. I, I don't know if I, I'm 100% with you, but I totally can see, like, why you think that and why your arguments to support that. Like, there's there's arguments for both sides, but history would tell you they're not beating the Bruins in a seven-game series, and they've never played Tampa in a seven-game series, and you would think that series wouldn't be so physical because Tampa Bay is not exactly a, a physical hockey team, probably more physical than the Maple Leafs because the Maple Leafs are arguably the softest team in the NHL, but we're, we're going to find out and you might be right and you might be wrong. Who knows? All right, go for it. 
All right, my TUT totally unqualified take is me piggybacking off what I was saying earlier and that the Toronto Maple Leafs will not make a deal of significance at any point this season before the trade deadline. And when I say significance, I'm talking about top to- top four defenseman or top six forward who is going to immediately step into one of those roles and impact the team right away. That that That's kind of what I'm saying in terms of significance. They could add a, a sixth guy on the D or a seventh guy on the D or add a guy for their bottom six, but they will not add anyone in their top six or in their top four who's going to step in and make an impact right away, especially the impact that everyone wants that guy to make, which is team toughness or make the team tougher. I would agree with you. It's like I said earlier, I don't see them making a deal of any significance until Matthews and Marner are figured out. There's just too much money. Yeah, they've way too much stuff to yeah. figure out, man. They got they got enough they got on their plate. Kapanen, yeah, Kapanen, Marner, Matthews, and then you got Gardner's a UFA. Like, there's just they got too much stuff to deal with, man. Unless they have a master plan on how to unload contracts for guys on term, like I I, I don't see that happening at all. But it's just, it's not, I just don't believe it's going to happen. And I'm not going to talk myself into thinking that's going to happen. That's why on this episode, I've been so adamant saying it's not going to get done. Well, I don't disagree with you. And with that, we will conclude episode 11. Thank you, everybody. Episode again. 11. Episode Man. 11. We're flying Dude, through these. Flying, eggs. bro. Yeah, I know. This is yeah. the fastest. Like, I can't believe we've been sitting here talking for like an hour now. It's close to an hour. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, I was ready to mail it in today and maybe call it a day at 40. Yep. And then we went the extra 20. Thank you again, everybody, for downloading the show. We will see you next week. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.